Central. If you're a guest with us, I'm, I'm excited that you're here. I'm glad that you chose to come and brave the weather and join us um, this, this morning. Today's going to be a good day because we're jumping into week two of this series. You saw a video called, called Base Camp. And so just to jump in real quick, if you'd like to follow along with today's message, you can scan the QR code right there um, in, in, in the screens, and you can follow along digitally with the sermon notes. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 3 for this morning. And uh, last week, we talked about creation, and we talked about how that, was, that really is like a foundational base camp for us, because what you believe about the beginning really affects Honestly, so much of the rest of your life and affects your future. And so that was base camp number one, the creation story. Well, today we're going to jump into base camp number two, which is what I like to call broken things. How many of you guys break things just randomly? Like it just happens? Just, yeah, I'm sure, Gabe, that, that happens a lot to you. Uh, just randomly happens. You just, you just break things. Well, last summer our staff went on a on a retreat, like a staff retreat to refresh and relax. And we did worship together and hung out. We went to one of our church members' lake house, and he, he allowed us to borrow two of his jet skis, okay? You know where the story is going. Okay, so I don't know what happened, but I started it off by driving one of the jet skis into the dock and, uh, and breaking the front little, this little ring that you can attach a clip to, and I just broke it, and it broke, and there was whole water coming in. It was bad. Okay, so we're like, man, that, that really is a bummer, and I apologize. It felt terrible about breaking that. Well, another one of our staff members was like on the other side of the lake with, with uh, the other uh, jet ski, and I'm not going to say who it was, but he sings really, really well, and so, and, and so he, someone comes back. One of the other staff members comes back and says, something's going on. This, this jet ski is, is barely moving and it's like sinking into the water. And we found out and realized that uh, water was coming, coming in into to the hole of this, this jet ski. Really nice jet ski. They're fast. We got, we got up to 70 miles an hour. Didn't we, Noah? I mean, we were flying. It was awesome. Sorry, didn't tell me about that. But anyway, 70 miles an hour. Okay. So we got up to 70 and, and this one was sinking and we get it back to the dock and we put it up on this little skid that gets up out of the water, and we realize, I don't know what happened. Maybe it was us, maybe it wasn't, I don't know. But we tore a gash in the bottom of the hole with these holes in it. It was huge, water's just like, it just pouring in. It was crazy, and this, this jet ski is, is sinking, and we're like, thanks for letting the staff come and hang out with you, appreciate it. And it, was, it went bad, it went bad. I don't know about you, but I tend to break things a lot. You might break things, but if you feel bad about breaking things and, and failing at things, just go online, take you about three seconds and search, and you'll find videos of people doing stupid, silly things way worse than you. It'll make you feel a lot better about yourself. So, you know, this afternoon, go and do that. I promise you, you can find some people that have messed up big time. And when you fall or when you fail, there are some, some big consequences to that. There are consequences in your life when you fall and when you fail. Because we gotta realize something, in the world that we live in, at the very beginning, when how God originally created it, it was perfect. There was nothing wrong with it. It had, it had everything that was good, it had nothing that was bad. It was exactly the way God wanted it to be. It was full of joy, it was full of happiness, and it was good. 
And then two different characters in the story, in this, this story we're going to look at today, two different characters come into play. You have the enemy that comes in, and you have mankind that comes in. They join forces, they stir up the pot, and something catastrophically bad happened. And you guys probably know what it is. It's that sin entered the world. Now, this, this word sin, we talk about it a lot at church. I mean, this is what we do. But it's important to understand what sin is. So I was looking at what is the most simple definition of sin, and I found it in the Bible. It's 1 John 3, 4. Here's what the Bible says about sin. It says that sin is lawlessness. It's as, it's as simple as it can get. And what that's saying is that God has created these rules and these laws for us, not to keep us down, but to for our good and to bring us joy and protection in this life. And yet we... We violate those laws, and therefore sin enters into our world. And so it is one of our base camps in this journey we're on. And it's important to realize that it is foundational for us what you believe about sin. Because you know that our society, 60% of people don't believe in any absolute truth. What that means is that this section over here might say, this is what I believe about about what is right and wrong. And this group over here says, no, this is what we believe about right and wrong. And they could be completely different things, but to each of these different groups or different people, they may say, you know what? No, that is, that is what is truth to me, or that is what is truth to me. There's no more absolute truth within our culture anymore. 60% of people don't believe in that. And so here's what happens. You end up having people that live a certain way, and it might be sin, but to them, they don't see it as sin. You might be on the opposite side. You see some people doing the exact same thing on the other side, and you end up having chaos in a culture. So what you believe about sin is really, really important. It matters. It matters so much. Think about this. Like, how many guys had to get in the rain today? Anybody? Some of y'all did. Man, first service people, it was crazy, okay? It was pouring down rain early this morning. In fact, lightning struck the parking lot. I mean, it was crazy this morning. It messed up all the lights in here. It was nuts. But these people had to, had to choose, and you probably had to choose what you're going to do, how you're going to get to church. And so you might have looked outside and seen the storm coming, right? You saw, you saw the storm coming, or you looked on your, your app on your phone and said, man, there's a storm coming. And it, it affected you, right? It affected your decision-making and what you were going to do. But imagine if you saw the storm coming, and it didn't affect you or bother you at all. And you're like, you know what, honey? Let's walk to church today. It's going to be a great day. Let's do it. And so, you know, you lock arms and you're just walking. You're walking to church and you didn't bring an umbrella. You don't care. All of a sudden, the barometric pressure changes and drop starts coming and lightning is striking all around you. You're like, oh, that's great, right? No one does it. That's silly. That's stupid. But what we, we do that same thing with sin, right? We walk around with sin in our lives and we don't let it affect us. We think it's not going to, to change us. No, when, when you're walking and, and, or you have a storm coming, no, you get your umbrella. You might leave earlier. You might wait a little bit. You might get in the car in the garage so you don't have to get wet. Someone pulls you up here and you run in. It changes you. When you see the effects of something, it changes you. And so when, it, we, when we have to realize and see what, is the, what are the effects of sin, and when that happens in our lives, when you see the effect of your sin and my sin, it will change you. It will change you. 
So let's look at today, Genesis chapter 3. Okay, so we're going to bring on the screen. I'll read all the, the stuff here on the screen, but if you want to follow along, you can do that. Here's what happened. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day, he asked the woman something. So this isn't really just talking about a snake, but it's talking about about Satan, okay? It's talking about a fallen angel or the personification of evil coming into this world. And so Satan enters the picture, and look what he asks the woman. Did God really say that you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Let me stop right there. This right here is the oldest story of all time. That Satan loves to tempt us to doubt God, to doubt him. Think about it. Look, look what happens here. He says, did God really say? Like, I, I know that this is how God set things up. And he has given you these rules and these laws to protect you. But, but really, like, is it true? Or for us, it's like, is, is the Bible really true? Did God really say I'm supposed to live that way? Or is that just a cultural thing? And like, is, is there absolute truth or... You know, all of a sudden, these, these doubts begin to well up inside of us. That's exactly what happened at the beginning of this story. And look what happens. Go back. Of course we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. So she says, yeah, of course. This is, this is how God has, has set it up. And then she goes on and says this. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. And she quotes God and says, God said, you must not eat of it or even touch it. And if you do, you will die. That's the consequence to that. And what does Satan like to do? Man, you won't die. Like, come on. You're not going to die. That's crazy. The servant replied to the woman. He said, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. He says, hey, this is, this, honestly, this is what God really is trying to say to you, you're not going to really die. He's actually trying to keep you from something. How many of you guys like jalapeno poppers? Anybody? Okay, so I'm from Texas, and I love me a good jalapeno popper. We cook those a lot at our house. And so if you don't know how, let Chef Clayton teach you how to make a jalapeno popper, okay? So you cut the jalapeno in half, and then you take out all the hot stuff if you want to. If you're, if you're adventurous, just keep it in there, okay? Um, so you, you take all that out. And then we like to get cream cheese and cheddar cheese. And we mix it all up into just like this, this mashy ball, okay? And, we, and then we put big clumps of it in those. And then you take out the secret ingredient. And what is the secret ingredient? Bacon. That's what I'm talking about, okay? So bacon is good on everything. It makes everything better, especially vegetables. Okay, so... You, you take the bacon and you wrap, you wrap the jalapeno popper and then you put it in the oven. Here's a little trick. If you have an air fryer, put it on there. Promise you, change your life, okay? Bacon changes lives. That's the sermon today. Let's pray and we're done. Okay, no. So, no, seriously, like it is, it is, it is fabulous and awesome. But here, here's what evil loves to do. Evil loves to take a truth that represents like bacon, Okay? Like to take something that's good that God has. And Satan doesn't, doesn't wrap a jalapeno with that bacon. Instead, he likes to wrap something that's, that's rotten and something that's mushy, 
something that's maggot-filled. And he wraps it in bacon and says, you want some? Trust me, it's good. Man, this is going to open up your eyes. And trust me, God, God, God has something better for you if you'll just, just do this. You can trust me. That's what sin is like. And here's what happened in this story. Here's what the Bible says. The woman was convinced. She was convinced that this was, this was good. And so she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. And so she, she took some of the fruit and ate it. Now, how many guys know what fruit that was? No one. Okay, it's not an apple. Probably happened in VBS a long time ago when you figured out it was an apple. It's not, we don't know if it's an apple or not. I think it might have been a jalapeno popper, but whatever. Okay, so, so she took whatever that fruit was. And she ate it. And then she gave some to her husband that was with her, and he ate it too. And the fall happened. This was right after creation. And from that moment, nothing has ever been the same. Everything has changed. It's the reason you have a hard life. It's the reason there is a loss of joy in this life. It's the reason there's depression. There's the reason there's anxiety there's, that's the reason there are relationship problems. That's the reason you have wars and genocide. It's the reason there's murder and cancer and ultimately death. But the problem is we keep on sinning, don't we? We keep on sinning. And honestly, this story is not really a story about Adam and Eve. It's about us. And it teaches us why we keep sinning. You see, we sin in an attempt to, to gain something, okay? Or in other words, you, you could say it this way. We desire a positive return on our sin. Like it's an investment, okay? Like we're going to get something out of that sin. Honestly, that's the reason you sin. Think about it this way. This is, Adam and Eve did the exact same thing, and we do the same thing as well. So like when you, when you lie, what are you trying to get? You're trying to gain a favorable narrative, okay? So you've done something wrong, okay, or something's gone bad, and you want to reverse that narrative, and so you lie to try to gain a positive advantage for yourself. When you cheat, what are you trying to do? You're trying to, to gain an unearned success, okay? You didn't earn that. You didn't do that, so let's, let's cheat to be able to get that. When you steal, what are you trying to get? You're trying to get what's not yours, Right? You're trying to gain something. When you lust, you're trying to get false intimacy. When you kill someone, you're trying to gain a superiority over another person. And when you reject God, what are you trying to get? I think you're trying to get freedom. Because there's a lot of people out there, maybe you're one of those people that say, you know what? God wants me to live this one way, and it's just all about subjugation and keeping me from having joy and fun in this life. And so if I can reject God and live my own life, then I'll have all of this freedom, and that is sin. Or when we worship something that's unworthy, we're trying to gain this, this new purpose in our lives, like something we can, we can put all of ourselves into. We're trying to gain something in all of our sin. And if you get deep down the side of it, Here's the underlying cause of most of our sin. It's this thing called selfishness. Selfishness. 
It's the key ingredient. And if you look at the story of these, of these two, Adam and Eve, okay, we always like to make fun of them, but that's, that's the story of us too, okay? So they weren't really thinking about God when they sinned, were they? Someone once said that they weren't thinking of the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. They weren't thinking of the Holy Trinity. They were thinking of the unholy trinity. Anybody know what the unholy trinity is? Me, myself, and I. You got it, okay? Me, myself, and I. They were, they were selfish, right? And that, that's, what, that's the root of so much of our sin is selfishness. It's an inwardly focusing on ourselves, where we, we place ourselves on the throne in our, of our lives, and we, we tell God to take a hike, okay, that I've got this. This is, this is all about me. But here's the deal. It went really bad. Look what Romans chapter 5 says about Adam. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. And Adam's sin brought not, not good things, not joy, not, not uh, prosperity, not all the things that he was looking for. It brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. This is the fall. And every fall has some serious consequences. Look at verse, verses, verse 10 here, verses 7 through 10. It says this, the Bible says this, at that moment in the story, their eyes opened, and they, they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together and they, to cover themselves, and, and when the, the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife, they heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. And that's just, that's just kind of a funny story right there. They, they saw, they heard God walking in the garden, and here's, here's what happens. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. That's <laughs> kind of funny. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid, and I was afraid because I was naked. Here's what happened. They tried to win by sinning. But sin doesn't bring a win. When you sin, you become a loser. You become a loser. Sin makes you a loser. Look, look back at verse 7. Here's what verse 7 says. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly, get this, they felt shame. They felt shame at their nakedness. Now, there's a lot of things that sin does to us and a lot of effects that sin has on us. I just want to give you two things, two big things from this story that, that shows the effects of sin, how it makes you a loser. The first thing you do, what happens is sin makes you lose your innocence. Think about that. And when I say innocence, I don't, I don't, mean, I don't mean ignorance, Okay? Innocence is freedom from all the junk in this life. That's why we try to cover up our kids' eyes and, and close their ears when bad things are on TV. Why? Because we're trying to, to keep them innocent. We, we don't want that in, their, in, our, in our, their lives. But the reality is, everybody in this room, everybody watching online right now, you are not innocent anymore. You've lost your innocence because of sin in your life. It doesn't help you to gain something. You don't get a victory in your sin. You become a loser and you lose your innocence. Another thing that you lose is a relationship. You lose a relationship. Look at verse 10. This is, this is pretty important. Here's, here's what Adam said. I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. Who hides from another person when they're scared? Not someone in a good relationship, right? If you're in a great relationship with someone, and they come home, you don't go running and hiding. But if the relationship is bad, if you're scared about the consequences, you go and run and hide. And that's exactly what happened. He says, I, I, so I hid. I was afraid of you. I was afraid because I was naked. 
here's the deal. Adam and Eve, they're, they're so like us. Not in how they sin, but even in the response. Because the story doesn't end there. If you remember the story, it keeps going on. And, he, and Adam and Eve do something that we all do. Because every time we sin, here's what we love to do. We love to pass the blame onto someone else, don't we? Or onto another, on a situation. Or, man, I just couldn't, I couldn't help it. Or it's not my fault. Look what happens. The Bible says, who told you that you were naked, the Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I command you not to eat? And the man replied, God, it was the woman, right? It was the woman. And, and here's the deal. It's not only the woman, it's the woman you gave me. So it's like, it's like a double badness, okay? Like he's saying, it's, it's the woman's fault and it's kind of your fault because I was good by myself. And then you had, I'm not going to go there anymore. We're going to be done with that. Um, I'm going to keep my job. Okay, so... So he said, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. So Adam passes the blame on to the woman. And the, the Lord God asks the woman and says, what have you done? And she goes, the serpent deceived me. That's why I ate it. It is someone else's fault. And we love to do that. And there's this, there's this sin cycle where, where we sin and then we like to lie or cast blame. We don't take responsibility for our sin and it gets worse and worse and worse. It's a story of us. It's not just the story of them, it is the story of us. And so here's what happens. God looks at Satan and he curses him, okay? And then he looks at Adam and Eve with sadness in his heart because Adam and Eve were his masterpiece. And here's what he says. He says, you're broken. You're broken. And that's devastating he goes on to describe how they're, how they're going to be broken for the rest of their lives and how you and I are going to be broken in our lives as well. And honestly, the best way for me to, to show you this is use a little object lesson. Um, I've got a, a clay pot right here. And, and in this clay pot, I've also got some moldable clay right here. And, and as I was thinking about the story, it reminded me of something that happened in in the book of Jeremiah in the Old Testament. There's a story where, where the people, here's the deal. Jeremiah, tough, he had a tough life, okay? Because Jeremiah is, is a prophet trying to speak on behalf of God to a people who don't want to follow God, okay? So we, we remember the guy's name, but man, it was not good to be an Old Testament prophet because people did not like what you had to say. And so the people are not following after God, and Jeremiah gets a word from the Lord, and here's what God says. He says, Here's what I want you to do, Jeremiah. I want you to go to the, the potter's shop. So Jeremiah walks, and he goes to the potter's shop. He says, when you get there, I want, to wa- want you to watch what the potter does. And the Bible says, the story goes on where, where Jeremiah sees this potter on, has a spinning wheel, okay? And he's got this, this clay, and he puts some water in it, and he begins to, to mold it a little bit, and he begins to spin the, the clay, okay? I've never done that before. It'd be a total disaster if I tried to do this. But, but he, he had some clay, and he began to, to mold it. And the story goes on that, that Jeremiah realized that the, whatever the, the pot or whatever the, the, the vessel that the potter was trying to make, it didn't work out. Like, it got all messed up, okay? And so instead of the, the, the potter taking that clay and throwing it away, instead he just mashes it up, adds a little bit of water, and begins to work it again. And here's what God said to Jeremiah. Tell, tell this to the, to the people. Oh, Israel, 
Can I not do to you as the potter has done to his clay? As the clay is in the potter's hand, so you are in my hand. Here's the deal, guys. We love to see ourselves as this moldable clay that God can move and work in our lives. No matter what happens, we can always bounce back and God's going to fix the things that are wrong. Or you know what? Better yet, I can fix the things that are wrong in my life. And here's what happened. Something, the people didn't respond well to this. You would think they'd be like, you know what? Yeah, that's awesome. You know, like, I think that's great. But, but the problem was, is there was no repentance in their lives. Look what happened in this, this story. Their people replied. Now, here's the deal. They were not replying to Jeremiah. They were pl- replying to God. And they said, don't waste your breath, God. Don't waste your breath on us. We're going to continue to live as we want to, stubbornly following our own evil desires. We're going to do whatever we want to do. Thank you for saying that you can fix and mold us, but we got it. We've got it. This is, this is no problem um, for us. We're going to continue to live the way we want to live. And so God continues the story. And here's how this story goes. He goes to Jeremiah again and says, Jeremiah, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and buy a clay pot. And I want you to gather all of the leaders of Israel, okay? All the movers and shakers, all the ones who have influence, the ones who think they're better than everybody else. I want you to gather all of these people together, and then I want you to smash this pot in front of all of them so they see that it's broken, and then tell them this. Here's what he says. And say to them, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. As this jar lies shattered, so I will shatter the people of Judah and Jerusalem beyond all hope of repair. And goes on and says, I will bring disaster upon this city and its surrounding towns as I promised because, get this, because you have stubbornly refused to listen to me. You had a chance to repent of your sins, and you didn't. So you know what? It's going to go really bad for you. And last week, I said that you're created for a purpose. Like, here's the deal. You're created for a purpose, just like this this clay pot is created for a purpose. That's how God has, has made you. But the problem is, is that when sin enters your life, it hardens your heart, doesn't it? And so no, you're, not, you're not moldable anymore. All of a sudden, you harden up on the inside. You are, you, are a, you are a vessel to be used, but you are broken. You're broken. So this is what happens in life. When you fall, you're broken, like this. And so, life for every single one of us, looks like this. Doesn't look like this. This is what it was like for Adam and Eve before sin entered the world. They're fixable. They're moldable. God can, can move in their lives and, and, and change them without, without sin. It, they're not, their heart isn't hardened. But all of a sudden, sin enters the world and your, your heart is hardened. And this is honestly not the saddest part. You know what the saddest part about this is? We spend the rest of our lives doing this. We spend the rest of our lives trying to, to put this all back together again, as if it's going to work out. You know what that's called? It's called self-righteousness. 
And the Bible says that no one is righteous. Not a single person on this planet, not a single person in this room, not a single person online is righteous. righteous. We're all messed up. In fact, Jesus, he combated the people that were righteous all the time. He talked to them and about them all the time. In fact, six times in Matthew chapter 23, he calls out the, the righteous, so the self-righteous. Who are those people? They're like the Pharisees, the religious leaders. You know what they'd be called today? Church people, okay? They'd be called church people, the ones that look at all their good deeds and say, you know what, man, we got it all together. We are fine. Everybody look at us as the example in which to live your life. And he calls them out, the ones that spent their whole life trying to glue themselves back together again. And so today, this story, the story about, about Adam and Eve, honestly, it's, it's not so much about them, it's about you. It's about me. It's about our brokenness. That's why it's such an important foundational aspect of, of your life. If you don't realize that you're broken, then you're not being used by God. You're not living your life for God. Then you're not, you don't find yourself in need of God. When you think you've got it all together, when you think you are righteous and good, you don't realize this isn't who you are. This is who you are. But here's the, here's the great thing. <laughs> you may be broken, but Jesus loves to fix broken vessels, right? He loves to restore the broken things in our lives. He talked about that to the religious people, to the church people. One day the Pharisees were asking him a question, and here's what the Bible says. Here's a story that was in Matthew chapter 9. It says, when Jesus heard this, he said this, healthy people, they don't need a doctor. Sick people do, obviously. Then he, then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. And he quotes the scripture, I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. I love what he says here. It says, for I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Jesus says, I haven't come for the people who think they got it all together. I've come for the people to save the people who realize that they're broken. That realize that they are a mess. Do you realize that? Do you know that you are broken? We're all broken. The Bible is really clear about that. No one is exempt from the brokenness. The Bible says that every single one of us has sinned. And the Bible also says that every single one of us is in serious trouble. Because our sin is serious. The Bible says that the cost of our sin is something you and I can't pay here in this life. The only way we can pay is death. Here's the amazing thing about all this, is that Jesus, he came to this earth and lived a perfect life. And so when he died on the cross, he didn't die to pay for his sin because he's not broken. He's perfect. And so when he died, it gave us a chance to have a sacrifice in our place. That is the gospel. That is why the church exists. You are 
a broken vessel. And Jeremiah realized that. He realized that about the people, but he also realized that about himself. And he said this later on in Jeremiah. He has this prayer to God, and he says, God, pick up the pieces. Pick up the pieces and put me back together again. He says, you're my only hope. You are my praise. My question for you today is this. Have you asked Jesus to pick up your broken pieces? Or are you living your life trying to put the pieces back together? Are you living your life trying to make more good than bad in your life? As if, as if that will fix you. It will not fix you. The only thing that can fix you is Jesus. That's why he came. That's why he died for you. Do you know him? I want to invite you, if you don't know him today, to know him today. To ask him to save you from your brokenness. To restore you. To give you a life like you've, you've never even imagined. And to give you a future like you can only hope for. He can do that for you. In fact, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Here in just a second, we're going to sing a song. And I'm going to walk, actually walk over to the connection room. As we sing, everybody's going to be standing up. And, and as we do that... And that's an opportunity for you. If, if you don't know Jesus and you say, you know what, I am, I am broken, Clayton. And I realize I've been trying to put myself back together. I've never accepted Jesus. Today might be the day for you. Don't wait. You don't know when your last day is going to come. Don't end this life without being fixed by Jesus. How do you do that? Well, you ask him to forgive you of your sins, the sin that have broken you. You ask him to put you back together again. You ask him to be your Lord and Savior, and you turn your life over to him, and he will give you a life that you, that you can't even fathom. He'll do that because he loves you. Let's pray. Father, I pray a simple prayer today that if there's anybody here today or watching online who, who needs to be fixed, has been trying to glue their life back together. They would stop with all of that nonsense. And they would trust in Jesus. I pray they would come forward. Today might be the day of salvation in their life. That you, Jesus, would save them from their brokenness. You'd put them back together again and you would give them a purpose here in this life and in the life to come. Help us, God to recognize our brokenness and our need for a savior. And may that be foundational in our lives. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to invite you to stand for just a second. The band's going to play a song. Whatever God's doing in your life, today is the, the opportunity to do that, to respond to his call. Maybe the call is, like we talked about, is if God is working your heart to give your life to him, let's go and do that, right? Let's take care of business right now. God's calling you to be a part of this church and you want to be a part of what's going on here. We'd love to talk with you about that. Whatever decision you have, even if you need prayer, we'd love to meet you over there in the connection room as we sing. Together.
Don't leave this place if God is working in your heart and you need to respond. We'd love to visit with you, pray with you, however we can come alongside you. And let's say our purpose statement together as we're dismissed today. Central Baptist Church, we exist to live for Christ, love people, and make disciples. Have a great day. still in the building, I just want to make you aware that we have prayer bracelets for those that are going to camp this week. I'd love for you to grab a prayer bracelet with one of the students. Pray for them this week as they're there. Appreciate it.